This is the Final Third Podcast, a soccer podcast that talks about everything that happens outside of the 90 minutes, from roster construction and transfers to soccer culture, politics, and business. On today's episode, Juventus's financial investigations and the January transfer window. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. We took a week off because uh, my computer decided to die about two days before the semester started uh but we're back for another episode and yeah i'm a fan of west ham united uh united states national teams which are in action or have been in action and minnesota united and i'm one of your co-hosts aj tabura and i'm joined uh by a man today who is you know plotting on juve's downfall is the best teaching assistant in the university of minnesota and is happy that our final semester (laughs) of undergrad is underway jack yeah how are you doing uh doing good i'm also very tired because i just finished coaching uh for us for the fourth successive season for debate so yeah. i've been coaching that longer than i've participated as a debater so cool times for that i'm a fan of chelsea atalanta um minnesota united I'm tired again. Uh, <laughs> the U.S. men's national team and women's national team who got to thump New Zealand a few yeah. times, it looks like. Yeah. And uh, maybe the French national team still. That, that's that's up in the air at this point. I don't know about that anymore. But yeah. well, I'm excited well, uh, to, to be here. <laughs> yeah, so a certain French coach just seems to be back on. So Yeah, yeah. which I'm not too happy about. Yeah, but we, we'll we, talk about that later. We definitely discussed that and might discuss that uh, coming up here. Uh, speaking of coming up here, we have a, a great lineup of stories, mostly surrounding the January transfer window, but also the big story, I think, for off the field news. Uh, huge, actually, is Juventus and all the drama there. But before that, you know, follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show. FinalThirdShow.com uh, is our website. Uh, We'll try not to take a week off unless, you know, something calamitous happens like AJ's computer of three and a half years uh, going down under and having to spend uh, too too much money for someone who doesn't have a lot of it uh, yeah, a week into yeah, the semester. Yeah, computers do be expensive. Yeah. yeah, they do be expensive, but I'm enjoying this computer. I'm enjoying the soccer that's happening. Jack, how do you feel not about Not enjoying uh, Windows 11, but... Not, not enjoying Windows 11 at all, actually. Uh, but that's a that's a separate podcast, uh, I suppose. Uh, Jack, how do you feel about jumping into Juventus getting a 15 point penalty? I know you're not a big Juve fan. I think a, a while back we tweeted like our least favorite teams and Juve was up there, right? Oh, yeah, it's always up there. Yeah, (laughs) I actually deleted the first tweet because I just thought it was a given at first that everyone thought I like knew I hated Juventus. But then I was like, (laughs) nah, I got to stick them at the top. Uh, So, yes, do not like Juventus because, well, a lot of reasons. And I mean, now I've got another reason Uh, for the second time this century. They've been implicated in a scandal that sees them being deducted some points as a result of it. Uh, not as serious as the one from 2006, which saw them stripped of two Serie A titles and relegated to Serie B, but still significant nonetheless. A bit, mm-hmm. of, bit of creative accounting, uh, I'm sure, is what uh, Juventus's lawyers are going to say when they, yes. when they appeal this. Yes. That's, that's probably what they're going to be saying. 
Yeah, and uh, some context and background to the story is just this past Friday, actually, the Italian Football Association announced that Juventus, who at the time sat in third place in Syria, would receive a 15-point penalty, which is pretty significant as it saw them go down all the way to 10th. Now they're in ninth because uh, they drew with Atalanta 3-3 three to three, uh, this past weekend. But still, that I, I'd say virtually takes them out of the Champions League spot running, like the top four in Syria. Bar they would have gotten eliminated anyways in the group yeah. stage. But yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true, true. And like, and even even then, like, it, it they would take an incredible run from them, even to get to the sixth and seventh place spots to potentially look for at Conference League, because Lazio, who's currently up there, is at 34 points and sixth place. So this is a huge, huge, huge hit. And some further background, in November, uh, Andre Agnelli, the chairman of Juve at the time, and the entire board resigned uh, for actions that are related to this, actions that are related to uh, tertiarily uh, related uh, investigations. So there's a lot of drama going on in Juve, uh, not to even mention the things that are happening on the field, such as... Uh, one to zero wins all across the board and that's the only way that they get through and then they get fined out by uh, Napoli getting you know beaten five to one uh, but honestly I, I think they would take the on the field drama over the off the field drama right now because it's pretty bad uh, so what happened uh, and Jack as someone who is I, I would say an expert in accounting uh, an expert I'm not sure if I'd go that far on that I've taken two accounting classes. <laughs> Someone who knows, who I, I'd say, is it, is it out of the realm possibility that you're in like the 95th percentile for accounting knowledge in the in the world when you account for the global but population? May, maybe like the global population. Technically, I passed the accounting assessment on LinkedIn, so there you go. There is hey, that. There, he's accredited. <laughs> nah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but. What happened was basically a lot of transfer irregularities, contract uh, irregularities. Uh, there'd be swap deals where they'd make little or no money, uh, basically exchanging not a lot of money between two different teams. But in their financial accounts, it painted the club as being very financially healthy. So throughout the investigations recently, uh, the the Italian uh, Football Association and their uh, related investigators took a look at all the transfers that have been happening recently and found that 62 uh, had some irregularities and 42 of them involved Juventus in some capacity. Uh, I think the large profile one that many people probably know is uh, Pjanic for Artur Melo, uh, and that was a swap deal with uh, Barcelona in La Liga. And where this comes from is uh, amortization. So Jack, can you explain a little bit about what that is uh, for the listeners and also for me? Because it is still a big word that is scary. Yeah, uh, it, it was a bit. It, I mean, it is still a big word that's scary and it's difficult to pronounce because it doesn't yeah. look like it's pronounced like it should be. But amortization is basically the idea of how contracts and assets depreciate over time. So in this case, the asset is the player. When mm -hmm. a club pays a transfer fee for a player, they write that in their books, and then over the course of their contract, a little bit is depreciated each year. That's how we get to when a player is out of contract, they become a free agent because on the club's books, they no longer have a transfer value. 
Right. right? So that's why some transfers, even though they go for very little money, still seem to go for still are seen by clubs as a profit because mm-hmm. of this practice of amortization. It uh, we'll probably talk about this in a little bit, but like, you know, Chelsea's recent contracts are are an example of how amortization functions in that and how different clubs use it. But in Juventus's case, and as we talked about, like, gosh, almost two years ago now, Darby County, yeah. uh, their case, uh, they, they've been using that a little bit creatively to inflate their capital gains, mm-hmm. uh, which basically is what they report and what financial fair play takes into account as to how much they can spend in any individual transfer market. Yeah. So basically, as I understand it, if you can draw that contract out to, you know, a, a long period of time, it, it looks makes you look better because the amount of hits that you take per year are greatly lessened. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so the, the example that I wrote down was uh, to put this into numbers is uh, l- let's say that they uh, buy a player for you know five million dollars over five years. Uh, but since that contract is five year long, uh, the cost of that five billion is spread over the five years at one million dollars each. And so, mm-hmm. let's say it's a swap deal that can kind of make things a little murky and make them look better. And uh, so, you know, amortization is something that pretty much every club d- uh, does. You know. Chelsea uh, famously has been having very, very long contracts uh, given out to their players in order to kind of take advantage of uh, amortization and the FFP rules that come along with it. But the problem does come when two clubs conspire to inflate player values in a swap deal to make the finances look good. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we can look at the example of Artur Melo and uh, Pjanic with Barcelona, but if we just want to have like a stand-in example uh, to kind of illustrate what happened here, uh, both teams can say that a pl- player is worth $5 million and the other team can say this player is worth $5 million. So they just, you know, swap the player. But because they are selling a player for $5 million and then buying a player for $5 million, and that contract, again, let's say it's five uh, years, they sold that player for $5 million, but because of amortization and dragging out the cost of that transfer on the books, it looks like they made a $4 million profit. Now, imagine that on a, a much wider scale, a much greater scale, and more importantly, uh, imagine that, you know, over the course of let's say 42 or so transfers it, it adds up a lot and suddenly Juve are cooking the books in ways that has not really been seen uh previously so jack h- how much of a problem is this in terms of their finances i know that there's some some uh issues with the fact that they're a public company they're a publicly mm-hmm. traded companies, so the way that things are reported to stakeholders is a, at a much higher threshold for uh, review. So, like, w- what are the financial issues that come up with this? Right. So one of the one of the things that uh, that this does is, well, it inflates their capital gains, right, uh-huh. and that shows up in earnings reports 
And those earnings reports are shared to stakeholders and shareholders of the public company for Juventus. So because of that, that can make their club look really good, inflate their <laughs> stock value, right. and a bunch of other downstream effects like that. But in inside of the club as well, like because they're they're like in the case that we've been using, Artur and Pjanic, because they were able to decide how much these players were worth, they could put that they could they could inflate that as long as they work together, and that just helps their accountants. But not only does it help their accountants, it helps the club because they can spend far, far more about right. uh, on that in the transfer market because it complies with financial fair play then. Mm-hmm. So because it looks like now they've made a much larger income than yeah. they than they otherwise would have. So it, it technically it's a legal loophole, technically. But yeah. when it's been happening, you know, like for 40 plus times by a single club and exploiting it to mislead other shareholders and uh you know mislead others that's pretty bad mm-hmm. that 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 makes it look really bad but you know it we already knew that juventus and uh a lot of other clubs were kind of going on a downhill stretch towards financial ruin it seemed uh and yeah i mean like this, you know, the, uh, in an article I read, this line kind mm-hmm. of sub, uh, like really summarizes it well. The short-term thinking to save costs has come at a grave long-term cost. I think that I think that it's very it's very likely that they're they're going to be in some serious serious financial trouble, even if they get this points deduction reversed because that's what they're currently doing. They're appealing, saying that technically it's legal. And therefore, you know, they were just exploiting a loophole. But mm-hmm. if that if that appeal, even if the appeal is successful, I I feel like, you know, there's going to be fans that are going to be upset with that sort of behavior. There are going to be, you know, other clubs that are upset with that. There's going to be a, all of their shareholders are going to be are going to see this as a much riskier investment going forward. And I think it's going to really damage them. Uh, and it, it's it it's pro, it's going it, it could lead to you know some other situations where clubs that were doing or looked pretty financially healthy slowly went on a decline into more or less obscurity. I'm not sure if a club as big as Juventus can do that because you know maybe they're too big to completely fail like that, right? right. But I I think that 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 that's a big possibility now. One thing that I heard, because I I looked at the news for this, but I also went to TikTok to see if I could find some Juventus <laughs> fan perspectives okay. on it. And a few that I saw were just upset, saying, you know, this is just another instance of Italian football hating us because we're successful. This right. is what, uh, like, they're targeting us. But no. Why is Juventus, they're, they're asking, why is Juventus the one getting punished? And why are they the ones under scrutiny? They weren't the only ones under scrutiny. There were like 11 clubs under scrutiny, including several Italian clubs. I, off the top of my head, uh, I think Empoli and Udinese were were also being scrutinized for this. Yeah, but, uh, other clubs also include Genoa, Sampdoria that are you know pretty prominent in Syria. Mm-hmm. So uh, that case did get dismissed uh, because uh, 
the clubs argue that the valuations are subjective, so the evidence against them was uh, watery at best. But then there's other investigations, including this uh, Prisma investigation, which is uh, where a lot of this comes from, where U of A got bagged for evidence that was written and verbal. And, you know, maybe you're getting to this point. I just accidentally interrupted you. But the (laughs) fact that it involves a publicly traded company on the Italian stock exchange raises the the need to investigate this particular club over other clubs uh, exponentially because of that. Exactly. Yeah, that that's that's the thing. It's it's not just an uh, at this point, it hasn't just become an instance of finance finances within the club. Mm-hmm. It affects the financial well-being of other people, not just in Italy, but globally. So shareholders, uh, anyone who holds stock or anyone who wants to trade stock in, in Italy, it affects all of that. So it's it it goes down to that. But you you alluded to like this new evidence and that that's also where it gets interesting because this wraps in uh more than beyond italy because there were 11 uh executives who had bans or not bans but restrictions on how long they had to stay away from football administration and one of those was and the longest ban as far as i could tell was a 30 month one for Fabio Paratici, I think it is, or uh, Patrici, mm-hmm. who is Tottenham's sporting director, who was at Juventus at the time, and it's his evidence that ended up implicating Juventus, specifically what what they're calling a black book, where he talks specifically about Yikes. the capital gains. So that's some pretty bad evidence against <laughs> him. Is. And Tottenham are trying to figure out, you know, hey. This applies to Italy. Does it apply to the FA? Does it apply to England? Do we need a new sporting director? So not only is this affecting Juventus, there's a possibility that like th- this could affect Tottenham as well at this point, which personally, this that's like dream come true for me. Like Tottenham <laughs> and Juventus going down at of once. Course, oh, of man. course. The yeah. agendas are just being fulfilled. It's it, it's amazing. But uh I, I think that, that that's going to be something to keep a lookout for. But uh, yeah, the, I, I, I think that it's a very interesting case because the idea of player values is, is on face subjective, right? Like, why, why is Mikhailo Mudrik valued at 40 million by Arsenal and 100 million by Chelsea? Why, why, are, why do these valuations vary so widely? And uh, why why isn't there a way to standardize it? And maybe as a result of this, there, that does happen. Although I feel like automatically other clubs are going to come in and it's going to get reset all over again because, I don't know, accountants always find loopholes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll find another one, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that is an interesting point to bring up. Like, uh, what is the possibility and i guess propensity within a uh, world football to have an independence review of player valuation uh, on the face of it you can say like you know whatever capitalism whatever uh free market like you know if the a buying club is willing to uh spend 80 million 100 million on uh, an attacking midfielder then fine so be it that that, that is now their value but the, the issue comes in when it becomes like, uh, if I'm remembering a uh, senior year econ correctly, an oligopoly where clubs can, <laughs> where, a, 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 you know, 
a few elite clubs can basically decide the valuation of a player or even worse, use those valuations to promote themselves and nobody else, then that becomes a, a huge issue to the point where Juve was the first one to really get the hammer laid down on them. But as we are, you know, finding more evidence, you know, the documents are not released yet to the public. They're very well. And I put, you know, money on the fact that clubs in the future coming up here are also going to get implicated. You know, it's obviously one club cannot do all the co-conspirating. One, the other club has to also <laughs> be involved with that. So FC Barcelona is a prime example. Uh, a lot of other clubs uh, within Syria, outside of Syria, that Juve and other uh, clubs that have done this, have worked with, are also probably going to get uh, a, a little bit of attention thrown their way. Uh, but what happens next from a legal standpoint, I did some research, some articles from The Athletic and ESPN have really dived deep into this, uh, is the first, obviously, since the the, the specific details and documents are not released yet you may just have to kind of wait it out a little bit uh where i'm gonna you know kind of guess that they're going to lodge an appeal to uh italy's highest court which is uh italy's sports guarantee board which is their highest court that deals with this stuff and if they can't get any answer that they like there go up to the the big boys in europe the court of arbitration for sports uh but it's really tough because this really big investigation that's going on uh, with them, the Prisma investigation, has been looking at not just this issue, but a lot of other issues within this club and within their uh, their financial trickery. So right now it's 15 points, but if the the courts end up finding that you know even more uh, discrepancies issues have arised in the last few years maybe somehow either a point deduction, a fine, whatever, more punishment can occur. Because obviously I feel like a lot of clubs that get found out, there's there's just general uh, financial fair play, uh, weird black magic going on. So that's one thing. But Jack, before we recorded, we also talked about uh, some salary changes within covid uh, the first couple months of COVID. Do you want to explain uh, what happened there and how that kind of plays into this? Yeah. So the salary reduction, salaries also work kind of towards amortization. It's more, it's more of like, you know, uh, a, a weekly balance of, of that transfer value or, a, or of a separate value of mm -hmm. the contract value. Right. And during COVID, it was reported that the players took a pay cut which Juventus had reported uh -huh. as a much longer pay cut while still paying them the actual amount. But uh, they only agreed to a month long year uh, or a month pay cut, which is not the same and also inflates the, the transfer value because, you know, you can if you if you're recording it as a month long pay cut, you you're you're taking less losses, right? Because you're not having to expense as much. But if it's only a month, then you're still paying that out, but your finances look better by comparison. So that that's that's really bad. And then <laughs> yeah. there's also the fact that they are they were paying other players after they had transferred out, which also uh, 
helps their books a little bit. So salaries were manipulated, transfer fees were manipulated. They're just just a whole lot of creative accounting. <laughs> yeah. That that's to say the least. But what's something yeah. that I think is really interesting about this is the fact that last year they took a, a $250 million loss, which is a record for their club. And this is in spite of their creative accounting. So when we talk about the future of Juve, I, you, you mentioned it a little bit already, but this does not bode well for the future of this club because you know, obviously the fees for, for you know, a legal team are huge, especially for a, a case of this magnitude, but also the kind of confidence that this institution uh, Juventus is built on has kind of eroded away. The, the foundation is pretty much gone. W- w- why should uh, an, a potential new chairman, new owner, uh, new shareholders invest in Juve if, you know, they're getting tricked and the valuation that they're that they're investing in the 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 stock valuation is wrong before what's to say that they can trust Juve now or that Juve even is a a, a worthy a, a worthy thing business institution to invest in i i can really see this getting bad of course i'm i'm not a financial expert uh, a, at all but there have been a lots of talks from people that Juve are going to have to sell a lot of their assets. Uh, American Weston McKenney has long been in the news as you know being a potential target for other big teams uh, to bring in and leave Juventus. And people are asking like, why? You know, he has a good spot there. Uh, uh, Allegri likes him a lot. He's playing him a lot. He's playing well. Well, maybe the reason why that was happening, you know, in the summer in this winter transfer window is because you know, they knew how bad the finances were. They knew how bad it was going to get. And West McKenney being a a young, uh, talented midfielder probably would get them a lot of value. And it's not just Weston McKenney, but a bunch of other players. We might see an exodus from this team in order to recoup assets because you can't lose $250 million a year, and probably even more than that because it's just what they reported, without terrible terrible actions happening without you know getting bought out by a a very wealthy owner and you know some positive changes with the books happening like and we we could even see them take a more of a points penalty if those those investigations don't go their way like this is this is really dire times to uh, to be a uve fan in italy and abroad uh jack do you have any other ideas like what can happen uh, with I don't know, Juventus, uh, you mentioned Tottenham, Syria as a whole. Like, there's th- like this is Pandora's box opening right now for this team. Yeah, I mean, the possibilities are, I mean, not quite endless, but there are a lot of possibilities still. Like, there, uh, you know, there's a possibility that, like you said, Juventus have to sell a bunch of their players. There's a possibility that further points deductions end up being like the 2006. Uh, uh, I think it's Calciopoli uh, is what is mm-hmm. is what it was called. Uh, that that scandal, getting them re- like getting more points deductions, getting them relegated to Serie B, and at that point, like that, then then it's even it gets even worse for them because then they have even fewer ways to recoup their assets and to and to make things up. So it could it could get very very bad for them. Uh, I don't think it will be anything to the extent of like 
getting stripped of titles or anything, obviously, but also they haven't won any titles since they've started doing this. So, so there is that. So but uh, I, I, I also think like, you know, all of these sporting directors that were involved in this, I don't see how likely it is that they can like any other job with yeah. it. Right. I feel like Tottenham, even though they just got uh Paratici or however, I'm, I know I'm probably saying that incorrectly <laughs> or misremembering his name. Tottenham sporting director, even though they just gave him a new contract or they, they gave him a contract recently. Maybe they reevaluate that because they probably have they, to, you know, they they might have to as well. And if that happens, you know, what does that mean for, you know, their club and their project? And it, it, it can it can extend quite a bit. And uh I mean it, it also does have implications for Serie A, right? Because Juventus and their players by extension get the league a lot of sponsorship money, a lot of TV deals, right? And if they're not in there by like whatever reason for whatever reason i I don't know maybe cbs uh reevaluates their deal with with seria which would suck because like that's like honestly one of the best platforms to watch it on but Mm -hmm. whatever uh no a little bit a little bit of a plug there i guess but uh yeah i mean it's it, it it could be really disastrous for a lot of people who are even tangentially related to this yeah, and that actually just made me think of the fact that if Juve is getting caught here, right? Juve's, Juve is, you know, maybe one of the first clubs that you would investigate uh, because they are big. They they have a lot of these, like, uh, kind of weird transfer irregularities. But we've seen, you know, Syria, these other clubs, also be implicated. So, you know, the case was dismissed, but I think that this also pulls into question the financial stability of the league as a whole uh not just the league as you know just the the league itself but also the clubs that make it make it up we've seen in the last few years more investments especially from american investors into this league whether it's uh fiorentina spezia i I think is one of them uh a lot of these clubs are getting new money pumped in does that maybe change after this because uh if if owners either didn't know that that these issues uh were uh, a, a thing or potential owners or even worse owners are also doing these uh financial irregularities and are afraid of getting caught don't want to deal with this risky asset that is very likely to be under called into question the next few seasons then maybe we see less investment which is super super impactful to this league because we already know the revenue gap between the premier league and Serie A and pretty much every other league is growing substantially the one thing that Serie A had in my opinion over the premier league is just how competitively viable each team was but if we begin to see less investment and then the players end up leaving, the, the, the quality of play drops, then that makes this league less viable to audiences that are international, abroad, and that cuts into an already you know terrible revenue gap between them and the Premier League. So 
you're right. It's not just it's not just Juve. It's not even just the the future employers that have employed their sporting directors, like with Tottenham. Nor is it just the, their partners, even uh, partners in crime, like Barcelona. It's also literally every single club that has been doing this, especially in Syria. The last thing I want to say is, uh, I think it is kind of interesting that the you know the 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 two biggest clubs that have been implicated in this, Barcelona and Juve, just so happen to be two of three clubs that are leading the Super League charge. So, if yeah. there's any yeah. evidence that that is completely financial based and probably the 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 product of them realizing that they are financially screwed i don't know what other evidence you need really so yeah yeah uh definitely uh still try still trying to make up for that because no one likes the super league so they're like well guess this is the only option crime yeah literally literally (laughs) All right. Well, that is uh, Juve and their 15-point deduction in Syria could get worse. I, I I can't really say it can get better. It can get less worse, but it I don't. I mean, it it can get better in that the point deduction is lifted. Yeah, so but that's a possibility. But yeah, but now they have even to then do. that's just the same as before. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> so, and they still have to live with the fact that they're taking huge losses. So, yeah. Mm-hmm tough all right jack let's lift up our spirits by talking about a little bit of trivia here it's mm-hmm. stat padding our favorite uh favorite part of the podcast you want to explain uh a what stat padding is and b what the theme is because i'm i'm very nervous my my quaking in my boots i'll be honest so all right well stat padding is a trivia show or a trivia show within a show, I guess you could say, yeah. about uh, statistics in the sport. And sometimes these are really surface-level ones. Sometimes they have a fun twist on them. I try and add like some kind of theming into it. Uh, this time, the theming is top four competitions and comparing those competitions. Okay. I call it top four comp comp. And I like it. The, uh, there's no league on in this one because the Coupe de France is, go- de France is going on. But uh, we're, we're so basically how this works is I'm going to give you a statistic and you have to rank the teams in, okay. in that statistic. Oh, so the leagues, the leagues, I should say. Oh, so leagues. Premier leagues, League, gotcha. Serie A, Bundesliga and La Liga are the are the four leagues that we're comparing okay. between this. So the first one is which league had the most draws in matches this weekend? This weekend? Oh, man. Yeah, so, like, including Friday games, right? Obviously not including Monday games, since we can't see into the future, but... I wish I could, but I can't. Yeah, same. <laughs> All right, so draws. Okay, so Bundesliga has, I think, just returned this, this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they had a lot of crazy games. Obviously, you know, Gio Reyna scoring the, the, the winner against Augsburg for Dortmund. Uh, and that's not to mention, like... I feel like Wolfsburg and one other team had crazy like like six six one seven one wins, and I think the Bundesliga is also just kind of crazy, so I'm not gonna choose them. Uh, okay. Syria, I guess historically has always been defensively sound, and I feel like you know I, we talk about the Atalanta Juve draw as well. Premier League, uh, you know they're they're definitely worth some draws. Uh, you know Liverpool, Chelsea, uh, Liga. 
I'm sure there's draws too. We're not counting <laughs> Liga, remember. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. You need La Liga. That that's what La you Liga. Thought yes, about. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Syria though, because I I feel like th- there that's a a ripe league for draws. Uh, incorrect for that. Syria <sighs> did not have the most draws. It was actually the Premier League, which had what? five draws this weekend out of Boy. nine games. Yeah, uh, I mean there were a few two-two draws in there, so. Yeah. Some more exciting ones, but a lot of zero zeros. In fact, three zero zero draws. Wow! So yeah. that so, was the so, most. So, so just to clarify, Liverpool and Chelsea was one. Crystal mm-hmm. Palace and Newcastle United, I know, was another one. What, what was yep. the the third zero zero? Leeds and Brentford this ah, morning. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. No one watched it because it was a six thirty a.m. So and also it's Leeds and Brentford. Not that those two yeah. teams are exciting, but I'm not waking up at six a.m. for that. No, no. Uh, but second place was joint Serie A and Bundesliga with two. Okay. And then last place with, was La Liga with only one draw. Nice. So, yeah, so that, that, that was a bit surprising. I would have reversed that order if I was thinking about it without knowing the statistics. But okay. so the next one, and you, you, uh, you, might, you started to think about this a little bit. So which league had... So let's rank, like rank the, the, the leagues okay, rank. in order of which had uh, the game with the most goals in that game. So like, okay. you know, in any individual game, which league was oh, first, boy. second, third, and fourth? Okay, well, I'm going with the Bundesliga first because I know that there, I know there's some crazy games there. Okay. Uh, let's see. I feel like, okay, I'm no, hmm, I'm no Premier League maybe second because i know arsenal and manchester united had their three to two uh game today i will go uh i'm sure syria had a crazy game i i can't remember la liga having a crazy game uh because i know like barcelona won one zero real madrid won like two to one two two zero so the the big hitters that would usually crush the the minnows that didn't happen. So I'm going to go Bundesliga, uh, Premier League, and then Serie A, La Liga. You're so close, and <sighs> you're, you're going to kick yourself as soon as you hear this. I'm Serie A's second, and we, you've mentioned the game that gets it second so many times this oh, episode. Oh, three to three. Oh, my yep. gosh. That does <laughs> actually give me Atalanta, Juventus. Yeah, yep, Juventus versus Atalanta. But then Premier League, you got it. Arsenal, Man U. Okay. And then the, the top one was Atletico Madrid versus Real Valladolid, with, which was three to zero. Okay. That was the most exciting game in La Liga this weekend. Sure, uh, sure. Dang. So I'll, 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 give, I'll, give you, I'll give you a point for that. I'll give you a point for getting half of it. And then two, if you get the full thing, okay. right, let's, that's let's do that's that fair. as the structure. Uh, I'm kind of making up rules as I go at this point, but <laughs> that's fine. So what league? Uh, so ranking the leagues in order for most multi-goal players this weekend. So players who scored multiple okay. goals in a game that can be, you know, two hat trick. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. There was no one who scored more than at more than three goals in a single game. Okay. This weekend, so. Well, number one that I could think of is Jared Bowen, West Ham United versus Everton. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yep. uh, Knew you were going to uh, mention that one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Erling Holland, he scored a hat trick or whatever. I don't even know who that guy is, whatever. 
Uh, so that's yeah. at least two in the Premier League. I'm trying to remember if, uh, uh, you know, there's one from like Leicester City or something. Uh, or Arsenal and Manchester United. I don't... Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Nketiah, I think, scored a brace. So I, I think at least so. That's, that's three. I'm not going to know anything else for <laughs> any of the other leagues. Uh, Bundesliga... I mean, they just have a lot of goals scored, so I'm I'm leaning towards them as number one. In fact, I'll put them in number one. I'll put Premier League at two, since you know there's three, and that's a pretty big amount. Uh, let's see, Syria. You know, screw it. Syria is third, and La Liga is fourth. You got it dead on there. You, you there we go. You got it. Bundesliga had six. Oh my uh, gosh. The the Premier League, you got all three of them. Yes, uh, I know. Serie A had one, and it's Adamola Lookman from Atalanta who oh, got that. Wow! Uh, his second, his third brace in three uh, games for uh, for Atalanta. So it's very good. It's very just, good. Just got to flex, flex, uh, flex him. Best okay. player in the world, obviously. <laughs> Who's oh, early wow. in Holland? Uh, yeah. Uh, and then last is La Liga, which had zero because there were only like two games where a team scored more than one goal yikes so yeah uh <laughs> that was pretty unlikely so there you go you you got three three points there let's go three uh and that so next these last two are way more difficult i would say but ranking Jeez. the okay. leagues in order of which one had the most clean sheets there's no way clean <laughs> sheets okay most clean sheets well Okay. Uh I'm going to go I'm going to go with maybe the reverse order cuz I feel like it make more sense. Well, okay, so is it is it clean sheets for both sides? So is a 0 0 count as a clean sheet for both sides? Yep, a cl- uh so like a, a 1 to 0 would be a clean sh- a one clean yeah, sheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a 0 0 would count as okay. two clean sheets. Okay. Well, yeah. if I, we we know Premier League has 3 0 0 draws, like six clean sheets is pretty good so i'm gonna go Premier league number one uh using deductive reasoning i'm gonna go la liga number two since there's you know you mentioned not a lot of you know teams scored more than one i'm guessing that also means that a lot of teams also didn't score one at all so let's go with them number two uh, let's go number number three syria and number four number four bundesliga i know wolfsburg I've been talking about that crazy, crazy amount of goals. Wolfsburg, I think, did shut out whoever they were playing in one other team. Probably did that, too. So I'm going to go with that order. Uh, Premier League, number one, La Liga, Serie A, and then Bundesliga. Bro. The, yeah, you got it. But also, you called the Bundesliga one exactly. It was Actually, two. And one of them was Wolfsburg versus yeah. Bochum. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you, you got that number exactly. But Premier League had nine. Yeah. La Liga yeah. had eight, so very close. Serie A had five, and the Bundesliga had two. So you 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 got one of the okay. difficult ones there. After fumbling the bag with the first with with one of them, you yeah. know, that you could have yeah. could have gotten. But yeah. the last one, very tough. It's gonna be like yellow what, cards or something. It is yellow cards. Oh, <laughs> Most you yellow cards. <laughs> you so you knew it was coming. Yeah. Great band, by the way, yellow card. But uh which league Ranking them in the order of most yellow cards. Boy, okay. Uh, I mean, I'm, if you remember back to a tweet, you, you'll you'll get at least one of them. But I, I'm gonna shoot from the hip here. Not, uh, 
Serial is one. I, I I feel like I feel like they have a lot of cards. Number two, La Liga. Number three, Premier League. Number four, Bundesliga. You got what? What's the order again? Wait, real quick. <laughs> uh, Syria, uh, La Liga, Premier League, and then Bundesliga. Right, you got one out of four there, so what? like half a point, I guess. Uh, it is La Liga at first with forty-one yellow cards, including Jeez. one match with eleven. Jeez. Uh, we had the Bundesliga in second with thirty-three, Ugh. the Premier League in third with okay. thirty-two, and Serie A only twenty-six. Yeah. So that a, a few like not not. Not as big, much fireworks in Serie A this weekend, but uh, the tweet reference was in, was a reference to uh, a few weeks ago. You tweeted uh, a, a screenshot of a bunch of La Liga games uh, where every single game <laughs> had a red card. And the caption was, I've got it up, average day in La Liga. Yeah. Or yeah. average match day uh, in La Liga. You know what? I, I, I thought that I thought. I thought about that tweet. I thought it was Syria, but it was the Liga. You're right. Dang. Yep. Yep. Oh. You got. You got to remember the tweets a little bit better. You got. Yeah. Apparently. You got to remember. Apparently. Yeah. But let's see. That that puts you at. Uh, I I need to calculate five <laughs> five point five out of nine. I guess was was how much was, was the was the scoring for that. So all right. So over fifty percent. I don't think. But uh, no, no. I think I think five point five out of nine might be. All right. It, it it might just barely be. You you might you might have skated by on it. Maybe with a yeah. curve, you know. Like, yeah, I was gonna say as long as I have a curve, I think I'll pass that. Yeah, one of those engineering school curves, oh, maybe right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Oh. T- trust me, I know I know about those. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of grading, Jack, well, first of all, hopefully Ooh. our listeners did a little bit better than me. Uh I guess I don't need I don't know too much about yellow cards, I suppose. Uh but speaking of grading, let's talk about the transfer window so far, the January transfer window is in, in the midst of happening. Still have about eight more days, but I figured, you know, a lot of action is going to happen in the last eight days or so, uh, especially as the transfer deadline looms in, a, in a, a, a little over a week. So I figured let's review some of the big transfers that have already happened uh, that are kind of changing the landscape of the transfer market, changing the landscape of the teams that are uh, getting the, the player or know giving out the player and something that we like to call transfer hot or not yes transfer hot or not is back and it's better than ever everyone knows that this is one of our go-to segments because we love talking about transfers we love talking about how players are going to affect teams and you know there's a lot i'm not going to talk about ronaldo in this one since we already uh spent you know a third of an episode talking about cristiano ronaldo washed player also washed player also boring so let's talk about some of the players uh mostly in the top four leagues honestly mostly in Premier league but the amount of spending in the Premier league is dwarfing the amount of spending for one particular team jack i should mention dwarfs pretty much all the other leagues so well yeah a little let's bit. <laughs> let's get into it so how this is gonna work jack has his segment this is kind of my segment uh I'll give a player moving from one team to the other, give a little bit of background of that player's uh, performances recently, the costs, the contract, whatever, whatever is publicly available. And Jack is going to tell me if that player transfer is hot 
meaning that it's a good move for either the clubs or the player, or if it's not hot, if it's a bad move for any party. So let's start off with what I call the Chelsea gauntlet. <laughs> because go. Chelsea has a been a little bit of a, a little bit of a an an active active club some might say uh number one i think that might be an understatement very much so uh in fact if you i'll tell the stat right now chelsea have spent about 171 million euros on signings in the winter window now this is also like three days old so that might actually have increased even more which is three times at the time that that stat came out three times the amount of syria la liga bundesliga and liga transfers combined so yeah fireworks for sure uh one of the you know the biggest names here is because of course Mudrik I believe is how you pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, moving yeah Mikhailo Mudrik yep yeah moving from Shakhtar Donetsk to Chelsea and not Arsenal Arsenal was in the running but uh, Chelsea came in seemingly last second you know, uh, and within like two days had signed him and officially had him for a photo shoot. Uh, he's a 22 year old winger. Uh, coming in on an eight and a half year contract for 100 million euros in add-ons and 100,000 uh, euros or pounds a week salary. Again, he was a key target for Arsenal, but in the last few days had switched over to Chelsea. And for Shakhtar Donetsk, had 10 goals and eight assists in all competitions. Most recently, uh, Jack, he played pretty well against Liverpool, but is this transfer hot or not i think it's like it's like starting to get hot like you know you know like when when you you first start up the stove and like you wait like a minute it's not quite hot yet but it's it's getting there right it's it's better than room temperature and it's but it's slightly below hot and i i think it's i think it's a decent deal maybe a little bit overpaid but it's also you know we talked about amortization a lot eight and a half year deal Mm-hmm. So that you know that that that, that kind of works out. You know, Bully brought out uh, brought out the Dodgers style contract right there, a baseball style. Yeah, uh, and I I think like he he looked really lively against Liverpool. I really liked what he was doing there. Uh, I think you know we need we needed younger attackers who were you know going to do something. I think. And it was clear that a lot of other players just weren't getting it done. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. So I'll I'll say that it's it's looking promising. So slightly, slightly hot, but also has the potential to go cold quickly. Yeah. Well, the the thing I wanted to ask was, you know, that's a lot of money. Obviously, he seems like a pretty good player. But it is eight and a half years and a lot of things can happen Mm -hmm. in eight and a half years. That is two presidential (laughs) Uh, terms uh he could get injured and kind of fall off mm-hmm. uh, west ham has you know famously given winston reed a center back uh a long-term contract and he had a lot of injury problems and the amount of money we're spending on his salary uh even up to recently was a lot is there th- does that kind of play into your uh your view of this transfer or do you think you and other chelsea fans are looking at this more like just on the field I I think that plays into it a little bit. Like obviously there's a lot of risk involved in that. And well, you know, I I am a little worried about it. I also think I'm I'm also more excited because 
I was very worried. I saw him play against Liverpool, and all of a sudden, I was a lot of a lot of my thoughts about risk went away <laughs> when uh, when I saw him uh, playing because I don't know. I don't think I've seen a Chelsea player dribble like that in yeah, very good, literally like five or six years. So yeah. pretty good. <laughs> it was Liverpool, though. So was it really that impressive? Oh, okay. Well, well. Man, yeah. you don't have to you don't have to rain on it. Um. Yeah. You know, people were calling it the battle of mid and it really lived up to its name being a zero zero draw with uh, some VAR controversy. So I don't know. I don't know. It's all it's always it's it's been a zero zero draw every time we've played against <laughs> Liverpool, like for yes. the past three games. So, yeah. Well, uh, speaking of more Chelsea transfers how about joao felix to chelsea the attacking midfielders chelsea's newest false nine joining chelsea on loan for the second half of the season from atletico madrid for about 16 to 17 million euros when you include the salary that uh, chelsea are taking on uh, he of course just last week got a red card against fulham which means he will miss about one-fifth of his loan leading to his cost for appearance just being shy of 1 million euros per premier league appearance assuming he plays every single game uh he the reason why he moved partially is because he struggled under Simeone this year netting only seven goal contributions in 924 minutes but I at least think against Fulham he looked pretty decent as well Jack drop Felix to Chelsea hot or not uh if it wasn't for the red card it'd be like boiling hot but (laughs) it's it's gone down a little bit because of that and it's an expensive fee for a loan right uh, yeah, and you know, I joke, I joke to a friend that, you know, you, you can, you can take the, the Joao out of Atleti, but you can't take the Atleti out of Joao. Basically. And, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's what happened for sure. Uh, I think he looks really good. I think it provides some good competition in that role, which was kind of needed. And I, I think he sparked a lot of, uh, good opportunities and, Still, I'm still not completely convinced that was actually a red card offense. Oh, come but, you know, on, come on. I don't know. I don't know about that. But I think it's, it's, a, it's a pretty hot transfer. Okay. Although I, 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 I wish we didn't pay that big of a fee for a loan. Yeah. I, I personally think it's cool to give my two cents just because. That's, that's, that's a fair reading of it as well. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an expensive transfer, uh, uh, a loan fee, I suppose. But also, there is no option to buy, which, you know, yeah, I'm not saying that you have to buy because you know we're going to talk about some other players that are coming in. But if say he like absolutely lights it up, and he just kind of has to go back to Atletico Madrid, you know, you know, with a newfound confidence, and then you have to bring in two new players, and they have to adjust it, you know, it, less than ideal. But still, you know, whatever. It's a only loan, so if it goes terribly. I guess that's fine, too. Yeah. Uh, how about Nkuku moving from RB Leipzig to Chelsea? The attacking midfielder is Chelsea's future false nine. Joining Chelsea next summer for 60 million euros. He leads the Bundesliga golden boot race with 12 goals. But can he convert that at the rate for Chelsea? I don't know. Jack, do you think his transfer is going to be hot or not? I think I think this is the hottest transfer of the, okay. of the list of, of the Chelsea list, at least. Uh-huh. You know that this is this is a really good transfer. Uh, and Kunku's great, got great dribbling ability, scores, assists, uh, and I I think he's like I don't know. I I just realized I I 
I, I found myself saying he's RV Leipzig's most important player. And uh, I remember saying that a few years ago. Yeah. And I remember I, how I've that seen turned this movie out before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. But I, you, you know me, I try and be optimistic about every one of the signings yeah. as they, as they come in. And I think this has like at, looking at it on paper, hot, very hot transfer. All right. I also think it's like pretty hot. I do think it's always funny when Chelsea tries to bring in a player that is not supposed to be a false nine and, you know, make him a false nine. It also brings into question Kai Havertz's future, which I think is going to need to be figured out before I can say this is a, a really hot transfer. Because at that point, it's a, a lot of like the same archetype, at least that 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 is being paid for with paid for handsomely by Chelsea. So, mm-hmm. yeah, some things to be seen. Uh, how about not a false sign? How about, uh, I believe, uh, a right winger? And I believe his name is pronounced Madueke, which... I, I, I know his first name is Noni. Um, yes, I, I think it's Noni. Maduk, maybe? Maduk? I, I've, okay. I have no clue how to pronounce it, if I'm being completely honest, but... All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will... I'll stick with Maduk, and if, you, if you're wrong, then I will, you know, point the horde towards you. That's fair. <laughs> Well, Maduke is coming from PSV. He's a 20-year-old right winger. Uh, scored 20 goals for uh, PSV since 2019. So, you know, a little bit of a longer time period. But, you know, you know, at 20 years old, you know, that's a pretty good goal output, I think. Uh, and that has netted uh, PSV 35 million pounds. Jack, new right winger, hot or not? Hey, this is a pretty, this is a pretty hot transfer, I'm got, okay, I gotta okay. say. A, a young player coming in, you know, could uh, with hopefully some good energy to revi- to revitalize that front line. Uh, I mean, like th- this, I, I I like the fact that a lot of these transfers aren't like a bunch of aging superstars or anything like that, right? Yes. I like that these are younger players, and it gives further credibility to my feeling that Todd Bowley is leaning more towards the Arsenal type of model where you invest in a bunch of younger players who are going to help out your squad in the future rather than just like rely on big superstars to try and take, take you to, uh, you know, the, the very top. Right. So I, I'm, I, I like that. I like what that kind of seems to signify. Same with all of the other summer transfers here. Uh, and I, I'm very excited about it. I'm going to say it's a pretty hot transfer. All right, cool. Well, Everyone knows that the last time Chelsea brought in a lot of younger signings in the summer, it, it definitely worked out. So, yeah, very true. Very true. Uh, speaking of summer signings and all of them working out, uh, <laughs> Aubameyang potentially back to Barcelona. Let's be honest. Uh, Aubameyang has not been great. He scored just one goal in the Premier League this season, despite bagging 11 in only half a season with Barcelona just last year. Barcelona is looking to have him uh, return ever since, you know, Depay left the club. We'll mention that in a little bit. But Jack, Aubameyang to Barcelona, hot, cold. How do you view this for club and the both the clubs and also Aubameyang himself? Look, it was our fault for giving him the number nine shirt. It just it just needs to be retired. It's sure. it's cursed. It, it's got to go away. It, it doesn't help anyone. No one who's worn the 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 best person who has played like the best striker Chelsea have had in recent years didn't wear the number nine because it was a, 
Olivier Giroud in the last like five years. <laughs> that's the best striker we've had. Yeah. He wore number 18, double the nine. That's 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 the gotcha. that's it, you know. Uh, but yeah, I think I think, you know, if Barcelona wants him back uh, and given all of the players we've brought in in that sort of position. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> if we can <laughs> recuperate right. some of that cost. Yeah, that's a win. Uh, I'd, I'd say like. He probably still even has like his house in Barcelona. Honestly, it's probably. been such a short. It's been such a short time. It's probably still around. So, yeah, I I think it. I think it would be a solid a solid transfer. Decently hot there. Uh, Chelsea are probably going to take a loss if that happens. But honestly, yeah. I'm I'm fine with that. That experiment was not worth it. Yeah, quite a failure. <laughs> and. I, I feel like Chavi brought the most out of him too. Which yeah, is, no, we'll it, it would be great for him too. Yeah, everyone remembers his uh, Dragon Ball celebration. Uh, so br- bring that back. Oh, love it, love it. Uh, speaking of Barcelona, and you know, I mentioned Depay leaving. He is leaving to Atletico Madrid. Uh, the midfielder slash forward has only scored one goal this season for Barcelona since their attacking talent has you know really been doing well. You know, Barcelona find themselves in first place. Uh, a lot of their young players are really finding their footing. Gavi, Pedri, uh, and that attacking line has been pretty, pretty good. So he has kind of been warming the bench, and he is now moving to Atletico Madrid for only 3 million euros, which is, you know, uh, of note because his contract is expiring or was set to expire in June. Uh, so this was kind of a... I guess last minute's transfer before his contract expired. So Jack, is his transfer hot or cold? I think this is a pretty a pretty hot transfer, honestly. You know, Barcelona needed this player off the books because they are they, you know, given all the financial levers they had to pull this summer, <laughs> yeah. they they needed to do something with that. And I think Atletico Madrid is probably a good destination for him. You know, Luis Suarez, obviously not with the club anymore. Joao Felix on loan at Chelsea. Uh, Depay has an opportunity to shine, I think, at, at, at Letty. So I, I think that it that this is a good opportunity for him and, you know, doesn't involve too large of a move either. You know, still staying within the same league. So not not as much to get resituated to, which could be very good. Uh, I think this is a solid piece of business for Atletico Madrid, you know, to be able to get a player that we know can be very good uh, yes. on the cheap. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see him and Griezmann and how uh, they link up. Uh, I also think that this is just a really good transfer for Barcelona. I mean, I, I don't think he's right now better than Rafinha or Dembele or Ansu Fati. So I don't or Lewandowski. Really, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I, I really don't see him usurping any of them. But his contract's, you know, up in six months. So to get anything out of that $3 million, that's not nothing. It's not a lot right. in the grand scheme of things. But the alternative was giving up for him up for free to mm-hmm. probably Atletico Madrid also. So And Atletico Madrid, you know, people were complaining that, you know, Barcelona's strengthening a rival. I mean... They're 13 points off of the top where Barcelona is right now, and Barcelona has game in hand. I yeah, um, maybe next season he does well, uh, but I don't think Atletico Madrid's too much of a threat right now. In which case, next season he's probably going to leave for free there anyway. So 
I think it's just a, a win-win, win-win kind of transfer. I don't know who the fourth win is, maybe the fans, but, you know, there you go. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Gakpo moving uh, to Liverpool. Uh, and, yeah, Gakpo, the 23-year-old winger from PSV Eindhoven, has moved to Liverpool for 42 million euros. Uh, I think Jordan and I, when he was on, kind of talked about this briefly, but he was e- Eredivisie's leading scorer and assister uh, at the time that he left. Now he's joining Liverpool and their you know, pretty, pretty young uh, front line. You know, Salah you know, is getting older, but now they have the likes of you know, Darwin Nunez, whatever, you know, Diogo Jota, and the other one that I, for some reason, am forgetting because he has been on and off uh injury uh Luis Diaz Luis Diaz yes yes poor guy yeah. <laughs> poor guy Darren Nunez too poor guy Liverpool in a, yeah as a whole so Jack now that Gakpo is in is he gonna help Liverpool is this a good or bad transfer uh so on on paper like when I saw the announcement I was like wow this is an amazing transfer uh it, it looks great you know uh I think like it's probably it's pretty likely that Firmino leaves this summer. It, I could see Salah moving on from Liverpool decent, like within the next two years. You know, I, 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 I was thinking this seems like a fantastic transfer. Since he's played in the four games that I've seen him in, um, I don't. It, it feels like a. Or I, I wonder if they're cursed like Chelsea is with attacking talent. Like I wonder, I it because Nunez can't seem to to hit the net, or just the face of goal in general. Uh, and Gakpo hasn't really looked all that electric. I think in in his appearances. And yes, he's young. He's adapting to a new league. Uh, but it it's so strange because at the World Cup he was just like tearing it up. But this feels like such a different version of. Gakpo than what we're than what we saw at the World Cup. Maybe that's as a result of where he's playing, uh, like playing as a false nine in some of these games rather than like behind a striker like Depay as he was in the World Cup. But I I don't know. It just doesn't feel like I I like if if I was if we were doing this two three weeks ago I'd say like super hot transfer looks amazing. But with with that uh with those few games it, uh in him. I'd say like it's still a pretty hot transfer, you know, a young guy on a and a prom with promising future on a pretty small fee, all things considered. Uh, so I'll I'll say it's like it's like it's like reaching uh, some heat on there. It's it's it, it definitely has a little bit of heat to it. All right, all right. I I'll slightly disagree. I I think this is gonna be a hot transfer. This is also coming from the guy that is still like you know Darwin Nunez is a good player. Uh, well, yeah, that. <laughs> but, but part of me thinks that if there are multiple players that aren't performing well, it's much more an issue of either coaching or development than it is like the individual players. I I, I was watching Gakpo throughout the World Cup. I was watching Gakpo when he played for uh for PSV. So it's not like I I, I don't think it's necessarily him that's not being the best version of him. Rather, the way that he is used, the way that he and his other teammates are employed uh, in that front line, I think eventually it'll come good. Uh, but yeah, you know, not not every single young player could be like a, a, a Mudrick and you know look very good his debut. 
I, I think that's fair, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you'll get a Timo Werner. Sometimes you'll get, I can name most uh, Chelsea signings, I suppose, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, and I think this might be the case of that. I, 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 well, I tweeted it out uh, the day that it happened, but he is undeniably, at the time of leaving the Eredivisie, the best Eredivisie player. So I think if there's one person that could make the leap up to Premier League levels, it's going to be him. How about someone that's already in the, the Premier League moving to another Premier League team? It's Trossard moving from Brighton to Arsenal. You know, there's a lot of Trossard drama that was going on when he was at Brighton. He was leaving training early. He got banished from first team training by uh, the head coach Deservey. He wanted a transfer and he got it to Arsenal of all teams. The 20 for 24 million euros. The attacking midfielder has seven goals and two assists this season in 1,300 minutes. And he's moving to uh, the team that is currently at the top of the standings. So, Jack, is this transfer hot or not? Yeah, I think this is a pretty hot transfer. Uh, the one thing that, that like, keeps it down a little bit is I feel like they've got, like, a lot. They, they Arsenal have invested a lot in that central attacking midfielder position. But then again, Chelsea have done the same, and uh, same result is happening there. Yeah. So, I... A little bit of double standard showing there from me, I guess. But I, I think, I mean, Trossard's a great player. He was undeniably, like, for the past few seasons, been one of Brighton's best. And I think that, you know, I, I think he deserved to move up. And that and I think Arsenal are going to benefit from him. But the the only thing that, that I would struggle with as Arteta, right, is how do you fit in all of these exciting attackers that you've got now? in one in one team right like you've got martinelli you've got Saka, you've got odegaard jesus when he comes back in a few weeks i think supposedly he'll be back and now uh trossard as well like that this is a this that that's the only struggle i see really with it but yeah that's so minimal so yeah this is a really hot transfer yeah and, and it's a good struggle to have especially when you have the likes of you know jesus is oh, still sure. going to be out for a little bit uh, the fact that Nketiah has been able to, you know, get a good amount of goals, help that front line, you know, is very, very good. But you still want to have cover if Nketiah goes down, if uh, Saka or Martinelli goes down or, you know, have a sub in or play him when it's a, a weak opponent and have Trossard uh, come on in and, you know, do a good job against weaker opponents or whoever you want to play him against. So I think that there's something to say with... Um, him being either a backup or sometimes starting either winger or striker because he can play those roles uh, and just filling him in where wherever is needed. Because I, I think that that's, you know, part of his strengths is ability to uh, be a good winger, be a good, you know, attacking midfielder. So I think there's a lot of room for him. Hopefully he's OK with, with being uh, a secondary player because like Saka and Martinelli are definitely the two best uh, wingers that Arsenal have right now, and there's really no no debate there. How about uh, a player that I was aware of, but not exactly you know intimately aware of? Uh, Kiwior, I believe, is how you pronounce. I don't speak Polish. I'm sorry. Uh, to Arsenal from Spezia, I believe. Uh, 25 million euros. He's a left-footed center back who can also play left back and defensive midfielder. He was a starter for Poland. 
regular starter in Syria and is only 22. Jack, Kiwior to Arsenal. Is this hot or not? I mean, this... I'd say that this is a pretty good transfer. I'm I'm not gonna say like it's the the hottest transfer. I I mean yes he's played well for Poland, but Spezia he's been kind of hot and cold here and there. I, I'd say, uh, but that might also be because it's at Spezia. So there is yeah. that. But uh, <laughs> I think that this fills a gap for Arsenal because they uh, a lot of Arsenal fans I've talked to have talked about this need for someone who can back up. Uh, you know, Shaka and um and Partey, mm-hmm. and not be named uh El Neni. You know, like that. Yeah. That's the that that's the the main thing. Like, as someone to, as as one of those fans described it, you know, we need a better midfield option that uh, a midfield backup option than Lakanga El Neni plus prayers. Yeah. And I and I think that this can kind of fulfill that plus. You know, I don't think they need someone to really play center back that much. I think they've got a solid uh, group of center backs, but, you know, having someone with that flexibility is a pretty good thing, especially uh, for a team, especially one that's mounting a title charge. Yeah, I, I also think this is a pretty hot transfer. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that they need a center back. I, right. I do think that it's something that's probably on their wish list, considering that, uh, Gabriel is their only, I believe, left-footed uh, center back. So having someone that could almost like for like fill in for him, because I, I know he has, I think he's, he has a, a lot of miles and legs. Yeah, he the last time he didn't play the full 90 minutes in uh, a competitive game here, I have to go back until Brighton and Hove Albion, November 9th, 2022. He's played literally every single game, and that includes cup games. So if they're looking for someone that could still play that left-footed center back role, you know, he is young. It's not like he can you know play every game, but at least like cup competitions and all that jazz. I feel like that, you know, this is a pretty good answer. So yeah, I think it's pretty hot. How about this transfer? Vout a Veghorst to Manchester United after Ronaldo's departure. Veghorst, a 30-year-old striker uh, on loan uh, to Besiktas from Burnley, who's in the championship right now, is joining Manchester United on loan for the rest of the season. This season, he had 12 goal contributions in a half a season. Last season, he had 12 as well across his time with Wolfsburg and Burnley. Prior to that, he had six straight double-digit scoring seasons. And obviously, uh, you know, there is a, a kind of a hole to fill in with Ronaldo leaving. So, Jack, course to Manchester United, is this a hot or not transfer? I mean, I think it depends on how you're looking at it. If you're looking at it as like a stopgap transfer, then, yeah, this is a pretty a pretty hot transfer, right? Like getting a, a striker with some Premier League experience, with some high level uh, experience and uh you know, getting uh, getting someone who has a proven goal scoring record. I think that that's pretty good for a team that definitely has a void to fill at that position. If we're talking like long term transfer, uh, I'm not sure if this is the best long term deal. Like, uh, you know, because Veghorst is, I think, 30 now, and I, I, I don't think that that's like that. That's probably not the future that I would imagine Eric Ten Hogs going for. But then mm-hmm. again, uh, Veghorst is Dutch, so maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so 
I, I'm, I'm going to say like it's a if 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 we're looking at this as like just the loan uh, and uh, I think that's a pretty hot transfer, you know, fill fill in that that one real piece that you need for the squad to be cohesive. Uh, Long term, not 100 percent sure about that. All right. All right. Well, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I don't think so. I don't even think it's a, a really a long term answer. But, you know, you're looking at a guy who has scored goals before, can help other players sco- score goals. I, I think maybe his role is a little bit less uh, important now that the likes of, you know, Rashford and Fernandez are really starting to find form. Uh, but to have just someone there, even just, you know, for his veteran presence, you know, I, I do really look at Maguire as being a good veteran presence now. Maybe you need some of that, you know, has played for really gritty teams like Wolfsburg and Burnley to, to be up there leading the line. Because uh, you have him and maybe Anthony and Martial who can really be the the the, the front line. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think that there's some some issues there, but overall it's a pretty good transfer. Jack, how about uh, how about you know a lot of these transfers are going from like you know Claret and blue teams like you know Burnley to Manchester United. How about a Claret and blue team giving a player? To another Claire and Blue team, who this player came from another Claire and Blue team. This is so, so many. This this guy just loves to play in basically the same colors. I'm talking about Ings, Danny Ings, moving from Aston Villa to the best team in London and maybe even the world, actually. Uh, West Ham United, the 15 million pound transfer. He's a striker who scored 13 goals in last season and a half. Jack Ings to undeniably. The, the most massive team in London, West Ham United, who uh, last time I checked between Chelsea and West Ham were the only one to get a win this weekend. Don't look at the opponent. Don't look at the opponent. But uh, is this hot or not? All right. Well, first of all, you just got out of the relegation zone. So maybe right. maybe right. wait a second before <laughs> all right. for that. But also, I shouldn't joke because maybe Chelsea might be joining you down there soon enough. But uh, Danny Ings to West Ham United. Uh, you know, I think I think it's a it's a pretty decent transfer. My one I, I I wonder why like West Ham are giving up on seemingly like trying to get someone to replace Skamaka or is this more like a replacement for Antonio? If it's a replacement for Antonio, fair. Like I, I mean you you replaced <laughs> him with someone slightly his junior, I guess. Uh still yeah. in the same decade of <laughs> uh, of age, but I I think like, you know, Ings is a proven Premier League quality player, and I think that you you can't understate that sort of experience in that. Uh, I I I I bet like a the the one thing that I I think and you might be concerned about this too is he does have a bit of an injury history that maybe there is to be worried yeah. about there, uh, given West Ham's injury concerns in recent seasons i would say yeah uh, that might be that might be something to look out for but i i think like it's a decent a decently warm transfer right like not not burning or anything but also not completely cold all right all right yeah that's fair that's fair i'm biased but also you know i, I i've been very quick to to attack our transfers or our board for how they've uh, gone about things but i think this danny ings transfer I think it's I think it's relatively hot. Uh, I I see right. this more as an Antonio replacement, 
uh, Skamaka is injured right now. He's not going to return until about mid-February. So Antonio is kind of our starting striker, and he has been not great. I think that this assist against Everton to Bowen might have been his first goal contribution uh, since, I don't even want to think about it, maybe October. And he's started a good amount of games, so it's not really that good. Uh, Danny Ings, however, does bring in that that uh, that goal scoring ability. So I think as long as he stays healthy, that's great because we just need goals. We're in the we're in the bottom five uh, for goals scored right now. We're in that relegation scrap. We need someone that has been here before and can lead us out uh, into greener pastures. So I think it's a good signing. Uh, I also think it's a good signing that uh, Dawson is going to Wolves. I know that he uh, um, wanted to be closer to his family in the north. So, you know, Wolverhampton is slightly more north. So uh, I'll never forget uh, Virgil, Virgil van, Dawson. van Dawson. Yeah. So sad. So sad. Uh, sad for probably uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach fans is Jan Sommer moving to Bayern Munich to uh, deputize slash, you know, replace maybe uh, the in the often injured now uh manuel neuer he's you know 34 years old but you know it's a pretty low stakes transfer not to kind of lead you in here but 8.1 million euros on a two-year contract uh in the bundesliga he has an expected goals goals against versus actual goals against at three which means that he has saved uh if you want to look at the stats black and white three goals that would have been goals if you know he wasn't there if it was an average goalkeeper. Uh, and he's had 49 saves in this season. So, Jack, summer to Bayern Munich. Is this hot or not? Bayern need to stop buying the league, man. It's it's <laughs> so annoying, man. Every time like another another team has a player that's like slightly good, Bayern are like, hey, how, how about I take that from you? And uh yeah, this is another instance of this. Like Jan Sommer. You you kind of downplayed him a little bit, I I feel like, but he's great. I think I, th- I think he's one of the best goalkeepers in the Bundesliga right now. And Manuel Neuer has not looked like himself since about like 2020, I would say. Sure. I think 2020 might have been like uh, Neuer's like last incredible season, right? Since then, he's been like average. But when you have like Bayern's attack, Bayern's midfield, and Bayern's defensive line, uh. You you don't need to be an incredible goalkeeper to win the to win the Bundesliga. Sure. Uh, so I think that this is a huge upgrade, honestly, on that. And that's not to disrespect Neuer. Obviously, he's done a lot of amazing stuff in his career. But Jan Sommer is great. Uh, the only thing is, like he like you said, he is thirty four. But if there's one position you can play for a long time, it's goalkeeper. So yeah. uh, I'd say like this is a decently hot transfer, right? Uh, there, there's some there's some cold parts of it like cold for the entire bundesliga besides bayern but uh i i think overall this is a pretty pretty hot transfer all right all right love to hear it i think yeah this is this is a, a home run signing for uh bayern but also him because i i feel like if it's one goalkeeper that deserves uh, uh yeah some, uh, some uh hardware so to speak then it is summer so yeah good for him all right, well, Jack, that leaves us with the end of the January transfer window, hot or not. Of course, uh, towards the end of the, the you know, window, maybe in two weeks, we'll recap all of the deadline day stuff, all of the, the final weeks of the, the January transfer window. But uh, where can people find us uh, b- 
between now and then, Jack, on social media and whatever? Uh, they can find us on Twitter at Final Third Show. Uh, Instagram is also at Final Third Show. We use Twitter way more. And, and if you want to stay up to date on all of those sorts of uh, on everything we're doing, you're going to want to follow us on Twitter. So at Final Third Show for all that good stuff. All right. Yes. Uh, FinalThirdShow.com. If you want to figure out all the places where you can find us uh, on any streaming platform. So definitely check that out. Uh, we'll see you guys same time, same place for next week's episode. Tell a friend about the show. Tell your dad about the show. I'm sure he would love to hear about the 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 issues that Juventus are going through right now. And yeah, we'll see you then. See ya. Bye for now.